You're listening to I Have Some Notes, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Hey, whoever, I have a pitch. This TMNT craze is at its apex. We need a sequel now while the iron is hot. Sounds good. So what's the pitch? That's it. Make another one. Like, now. Get cracking. I have some notes. No time! Welcome, everyone, to I Have Some Notes, the movie podcast with cuts, keeps, punch-ups, and tweaks on movies as voted on by you, our listeners. I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. And I'm Greg Beaver. And today, we are discussing the film, the cinematic masterpiece, uh, that is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, colon, The Secret of the Ooze. Uh, this was, of course, uh, suggested by the uh, Continuum Drag podcast. You can follow them on Twitter at Continuum Drag, uh, where they talk about forgotten and little seen science fiction television of yesterday. You want to know uh, what they- wasn't a little seen science fiction series <laughs> of yesterday? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles anything. Yeah, this is a uh, turtles were big in the 90s. That's not news to anyone. <laughs> Were you guys Turtles kids? Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. I think we're all 100%. about the right age to be Turtles kids. So my question then, because we were all Turtles kids, which was your turtle? Everyone had their turtle, which was your turtle? Uh, one of my first words um, was, no, first of all, was Teenage Mutant Inga Tutus. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and then Michael Angelo. I was a Michelangelo mm. kid as well. Yeah. Oh, I'm the Leonardo of the group. <laughs> as I got older, I always liked Donatello on account of he does machines. Um, but uh, yeah, as who, what kid does love Michelangelo? The funny one. Yeah. This was definitely not my first time with this movie, but it was the first time since childhood. Um, so it was like as good as new to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. I probably watched this movie a dozen times when I was a kid. Um, but I have not watched it in years. And so it was also like, oh yeah, I remember a shocking amount of this film. <laughs> and at the same time, I don't remember a shocking amount of this <laughs> film. <laughs> uh, in fact, my, my, my mom will very proudly tell you that uh, the first movie I ever saw in theaters was the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Oh, which really? wasn't really aimed at kids as much. It, it was yeah. aimed at a more adolescent audience for sure. Yeah, I I was would have been three or four because I was born in 1987, and I, apparently I was too little to hold the chair down, so she had to hold it down with her leg throughout the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, going to movies ever since that's, started with yeah, that's great, DMT and one. and adorable too. I was thinking today that I remember this movie being bad um but as i thought more and more about it i think the movie that i was actually thinking about was um tmnt3 which is which is horrible yeah um and i think somehow that 
bleed it into the sequel. Now, like, TMNT 2, I think, gets a lot of, I don't know, I want to call it hate, but sort of, like, um, maybe sarcasm because of, like, the Vanilla Ice cameo and uh, maybe that it's, uh, like you guys say, like, it's a li- bit more aimed at kids compared as compared to the first one, which is strange because it's... Um, one of the same writers wrote uh, the sequel, so um, but somehow the tone is a little bit different. And I feel that was a hundred percent a production decision. Yeah. Like pro- producers high up were like, "You need to tone it down." And so he was like, "Well, I guess I'm toning it down." Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was it was very much a a marketing decision of like, "Oh, that this this is definitely has kid appeal." So lighten this one up, yeah. Which is funny because the first one was like a the first one was a big hit, right? And like, what was the like? Uh, why was there a need for an adjustment? Because the bigger hit was the cartoon. Mm. Kids were huge into the cartoon, which is what drove them to watch the first movie. But the first movie was a little too scary for little kids, so they wanted to make the second movie a lot more accessible for them. Oh, yeah. Which I mean, it's not a terrible idea. I think yeah. the movie we got was not well executed, but it's not a terrible <laughs> idea. I don't know. It was pretty watchable as a, as a grown man watching this <laughs> like alone in my apartment. Yeah, I was I was not looking forward to <laughs> with like a notepad out, like ready to really get wax intellectual about it. It's pretty good. Yeah, I was expecting to not enjoy it as, but yeah, I I was pleasantly surprised. Like the the turtles while a little obnoxious here and there are genuinely fun to watch and their antics are had me chuckling more times than I think I'd care to admit it uh, it was overall pretty decent um it's I think it's problems maybe more stem from um you know production design issues as well as maybe a, a pretty razor thin plot razor yeah, right I will <laughs> I see what you do there uh I will I will say there is some very cringy dialogue in this movie mm-hmm. and there are points where it's like, oh, we need to have all four of the turtles say a catchphrase. Um, and it's and it's very obvious and super clunky. But to their credit, the turtles are all distinct and it's very easy for a movie like this to just make them kind of all the same. Yeah. But like they all have their personalities and their personalities all shine through, through the movie and consistently. And I thought that was actually well done for a kid's show. (laughs) Yeah. Like this is the thing that like, I I don't think that the Michael Bay movies or Michael Bay produced movies did very well. Is like all the turtles feel like one homogenous character. They they aren't really all that distinct. Aside from maybe Michelangelo in those movies, I don't know. Uh, I just want to go back to the cringy dialogue comment, Scott, because I five minutes into the movie, I laughed out loud because there's the oh, like the title credits are mm-hmm. going over that initial scene where they're beating up the like electronics robbers, like yep. the guys. <clears throat> robbing an underground mall and uh michelangelo gets thrown into a uh, deli counter pulls out two sausage links that look like nunchucks uh and goes <laughs> cold cut combat and then starts swinging them around like nunchucks and that's when director michael pressman's name appears on screen <laughs> seconds after cold cut combat directed by michael pressman i'm like bold dude You're, kudos to you sir he's owning it he's taking ownership he owns of that it. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of director, uh, of course, this movie uh, uh, came out in 1991, directed by the aforementioned Michael Pressman, uh, written by uh, Todd W. Langen, uh, based on uh, characters by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, famously. Donatello, Michelangelo, Raphael, and Leonardo as the main turtles, obviously. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Clash as Splinter. Ernie Reyes Jr. as Kino. And uh, Paige Turco as April O'Neil. What are our thoughts on Paige Turco? Because they, they recast April, moving from the first to the second movie. And I don't think she's that great in this movie. No. I don't think she's as strong an actress as uh, mm-hmm. as the previous, I, I I looked up the previous April's name and now it escapes me. But yeah, like it's she just on uh, just doesn't have much, and the movie gives her kind of even less to do. So some of it maybe not be entirely Paige Turco's fault. Yeah, she's a nice lady in a kids movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's fair. Uh, also, not mentioned in this starring list, <laughs> David Warner, who is wasted on this film. Which one is David Warner? David Warner is the scientist. Oh, guys. right. Yeah. Yes, he is yes. He is a prolific character actor f- with years of credits to his name. He is a great actor. Yeah. And he is completely wasted on this movie. He's, been in, he's the best part of this movie. He's been in Star Trek a bunch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was fun. He really he 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 was committing to the movie he was in. He felt like a cartoon scientist, <clears throat> and I was just jealous of the props he got to hold. Those look like fun props. Oh, yeah, the Big giant dandelion vials. and the the ooze canisters, and he got to like spin some valves and mix some I, paste. I take back good. what I said as soon as you reminded me of the dandelion. <laughs> the dandelion looked like trash. <laughs> I mean, it's a fun prop, even if it doesn't look great. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of looking great, actually, I will say. The practical effects in the movie surprisingly stand up. For a yeah. 1991 film, like the turtles still look good. Toka and Razar, say what you will about them as characters, still <laughs> look good. Um, yeah. Like the, the practical effects look fantastic. They hold up. The turtles have weight. They're in the scene with everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. The animatronics were really ani- like animated, obviously, but just like they, they had facial expressions. They really did look Oh yeah, Look yeah, cool. and like the the turtles really emote very well. Um, you know, it's pretty pretty seamless job, I think, being able to control all that when you've got um, you know, have people having to puppet the mouse separately from an actress performance. That's you know, it's it's uh, it couldn't have been easy to to pull that off. Especially- Splinter also looks really good in this movie. Yeah, I think he actually he looks quite a bit better than the first one. Yes, uh, the, the the only drawback being is that. Um, the entire movie shot with such you know flat, boring kind of TV lighting that it kind of ruins uh the effect of uh, how good the turtles could look. I-, I think the first movie was shot a lot at night, you know, like they uh, or at least quite a bit darker. You know, I'm I'm thinking of like the scene uh in the uh, the fight scene in the uh, basement of April O'Neil's apartment where you know it's dark and then you get the fire and all that kind of stuff so you get a lot of dramatic lighting um the final climax is at night most of the shredder stuff is all at night uh it looks you know it, it looks a lot darker and and more interesting and I think it's it helps the puppets and and the turtle suits because the darker it is the less of the imp- imperfections you see whereas with this movie you see yeah. it all you kind of you can kind of get a sense of like the rubberiness 
of uh yeah you can you can see that they're really good suits yeah like the suits look great but you're like damn that's a great turtle suit. <laughs> yeah where you're not like oh that i believe that is a mutant turtle i, I think the person that it, it affected the the most was shredder like he did not look menacing in this movie to me like his the lighting in in the first one was so dramatic that like you know his suit kind of it, I don't know. He, he the helmet. Yeah, and the helmet, and just like the way that the you know the the lens was flaring off it and stuff like that, and just him being shrouded in darkness is good for that character, you know. It's, um, but in this one, um, the, the, like his costume has kind of like a little bit of a sparkly sheen into it. In low lighting, that looks cool. In bright lighting, it just looks like he's wearing a pretty shiny shirt, <laughs> and I didn't think that worked particularly well. Yeah, just just shining the light on the costume in general really makes it look more cartoony than yeah. <clears throat> legitimate. And then especially when you put him next to to Razor in the what's the other one? Toka. Toka. Toka and Razor. Yes, they the three of them together look like guys in silly costumes. So to whereas his, his henchman looks like the most menacing among them because he's actually looks like a scary mm-hmm. ninja guy. I I also for the record want to know what the decision process was in we want to we want to pit the turtles against two mutant animals we're going to find two vicious mutant animals to stick up against them one is going to be a wolf and the other one is going to be another turtle oh so it's going to look like the ninja turtles no it's going to look totally different from the ninja turtles what was what was the thought process there yeah that was a baffling choice to choose another turtle it's like literally the only two animals you can't pick are turtle and rat. <laughs> They're taken. We did those already. But we, but we did turtle again, and also it doesn't we look did. like the turtles for some reason. <laughs> it was really like in the big, you know, the movie was obviously made very rushed, like quite famously a, a rushed film. Uh, just like, all right, come on, come on, guys. We need it's five o'clock. We gotta go home. We gotta get this script in. We need we need new new animals. What are the new animals? Uh, a wolf. Good, good. A wolf's for and I don't know. Uh, just another turtle. Depression. <laughs> The pressure was so on that the guy just couldn't think of anything other than uh, another turtle. <laughs> Which is baffling when you look at the cartoon and there's a warthog and a rhinoceros right there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, don't worry. We're coming back to that, guys. <laughs> um, just a quick aside about uh, uh, decision paralysis. I very much enjoy landmark cinemas for my uh, movie going experience because they have a Coke freestyle machine. Um, I like Mr. Pibb. I like all the vanilla options. I like a Coke freestyle machine. And so we were going to see a movie with some friends. I And I convinced everyone, even a guy who collects diehard scene point collector, we're going to go see a movie at Landmark Cinemas because they have this Coke freestyle machine. And I hyped up the freestyle machine. And then we all meet up after we filled our drinks. And my one friend Joel's like, uh, I panicked and got Coke. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that was the second turtle. <laughs> the t- Toka is panicking and getting Coke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's, uh, you know what? If for no reason other than to hear Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go, let's, uh, let's hear from the trailer. New York, a city where 8 million can scarf down their slices in safety, knowing that when pizza is close by, help, help, is never far away. Oh, some animals are knocking down the telephone poles. Let them get their own cab. The next fight will be freak against freak. Take the ugly one! No, you take the ugly one! Which one's the ugly one? Huh? Ninja, ninja, 
Turtles 2. Cowabunga! The Secret of the Ooze. Don't forget, we're turtles! Leonardo, Michelangelo, Donatello, and Raphael battle the Shredder once again. This time, for the last canister of the very ooze which created the turtles, which Shredder wants to use to unleash an army of new, terrible mutants. With the help of Splinter, April O'Neil, a brilliant scientist, and a pizza delivery boy, the turtles take on Shredder's Foot Clan and his two infant mutant animals, Toka and Razar. Also, Vanilla Ice sings a rap about them in an abandoned warehouse dance party. Cowabunga! Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> it's not go too ninja, much more. Go ninja, go ninja, go. Words of a poet. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that synopsis is the entire movie. Like, that's it. There's nothing else happens. <laughs> it's pretty airtight. It's really... <laughs> it is a tight plot. <laughs> no loose ends in that, in that film. <laughs> no, like at one point, the pizza delivery kid, like, infiltrates the Foot Clan and successfully gets in and is in for two minutes. Yeah. Before he's before he's almost immediately found out, <laughs> like, yeah, immediately, like, like as he's followed by Raphael into the uh, into the the den of the foot, and they and then they see they see Shredder, and they're like, shit, we got to get out of here. Shredder's not supposed to be alive, and yeah, they they just book it. They totally blow their cover immediately. Yep, right. I do like that Shredder, for all his menacingness, uh, recruits exclusively. Teenage boys who are good at martial arts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, does this movie, do you think this follows uh, the, the sequel-itis uh, of the 90s where it is trying to do the same movie twice? No, because no, the first fact, movie is not this. Yeah. And this movie does something I love. This is one of my favorite things about this movie, watching it again as, as an adult with giving it way too much attention and care and consideration. Um. I love that the whole point of this movie is this, the turtles finding out their origin, finding out a, the secret of the ooze, that it was ooze that created them. Um, and one of them even remarks like, oh, I thought it was going to be something like significant and special. You're saying it was just an accident with some ooze in the sewer? And then, you know, the lesson, the takeaway from, from uh, Splinter is like, yeah, but you're special because you're you and like, what makes you special is the the ninja training and the and the personalities. Uh, yeah, the the ooze is not what makes you special. The ooze is not what makes you. Which, when you take that and compare it to all origin stories from comic book adaptations that follow for the next thirty years, you'd be surprised how many people like don't think of that. Like, it's always like we got to see him get bit by the radioactive spider. We got to see him get turned into the Hulk. We got to see him get the Iron Man thing. Like, um. And, and so many of them now are, like, not just hitting the ground running by not wasting time on an origin, but, like, even just this movie kind of clowning on them, being like, origins don't matter. What's interesting is <laughs> what they're doing now. Yeah. Like, we don't need an origin. Who gives a shit what the origin is? <laughs> like, we don't, yeah. Um, like, this movie basically says we don't need a Han Solo movie. That explains <laughs> where how we got here. Like... <laughs> I was going to I was going to remark that I wasn't sh I wasn't sure whether that motivation surrounding the ooze was was big enough to build the whole movie around but like the way that you described it Liam um maybe makes me think a little bit differently about it um 
Yeah, because it's a sick MacGuffin, like a, a, you know, slime that can turn, you know, snapping turtles into weird spiky turtles. Great MacGuffin, not a great origin. And that's, yeah. Yeah, I guess maybe it might have worked slightly better if there was, if, if there was one of the turtles or someone was sort of like questioning their origins at the beginning of the film, at the outset. Mm, fair. And like maybe it could have been Donatello because he seemed to be the one that was most affected by the answer. Um, but yeah, and, and he's like the, he's a, a scientist guy, so maybe he's sort of like uh, the experimenting most, the on most himself curious. or something like that, just sort of like trying to understand uh, what the mutagen did to them and what it came, what, where they came from, and that kind of thing. Yeah, or maybe even sh- you know, I was gonna say sharing interest in what April April is researching, but I think you just more have questions for Splinter. Yeah, that um, could work. That's very simple. Well, um, or like suggest that they go root around, um, or, or maybe there is some some clue that he's like, oh, this maybe something of our origin is tied to this this organization. April mm-hmm. is investigating mm-hmm. and acts on that. Yeah, that way that like that you can have this, uh, maybe a kind of maybe that helps with the with Splinter's reveal of the of the mutagen canister because it could be something that he's like he's sort of being coy about or hiding. Um, oh yeah, because he just sort of whips it out. Yeah, yeah. To the part I'd forgotten about that when I was describing, I was like, "Well, could they could have like a piece of the canister or something?" I'm like, oh, they do, and it's just not yeah. used good. Maybe hey, it might be kind of the thing where it's just like uh, you know, Splinter being a very wise rat. You know, he he, uh, he kind of understands that like at their young age, the turtles might have trouble dealing with the idea that they're. Um, completely accidental. You know, there was mm-hmm. no one out there trying to create uh, <laughs> like sentient beings or anything like that. They just did it by accident. Oh, it's it's just beautifully nihilistic. It's just like, oh, you don't. It doesn't matter how you got here. Like it does. It's an accident. It's just a weird accident. It also makes these other weird things. It's weird. Who cares? I want to I want to take us back to the broken canister for a minute because that seems mm-hmm. like a great. Chekhov's gun that never goes off because later on in the movie Dr. Perry David Warner's character uh wants to create like some sort of anti-mutagen uh chemical and he kind of invents it whole cloth but it would have been interesting if he had been using like trace samples from the canister that Splinter had saved like they yeah. they could have tied it in that there's there oh it's actually very lucky that you held on to this yeah because now I can I can use it to try to create an antigen that's really good. Yeah, that would have been and that's, much more clever. Yeah, it's it, there's just whips stuff out like some that. Burners. Yeah, and then they <laughs> drop pizza in it. That uh, the my point is that there's there's a lot of there's a lot of points in the movie like that where it's like oh this didn't really go anywhere or oh that was just kind of a thing that was thrown in and it, it as much as we were saying that the movie's quite tight it could be tighter <laughs> like there yeah. there's threads that could be like it could loop back on itself better. It's, it's just, yeah. I, you, you can tell it was hastily written. We'll put it that way. Yeah. I mean, it leaves several characters kind of twisting in the wind, you know, obviously April, um, Kino doesn't, he doesn't factor too much into, into the plot. Like they try to give him kind of a conclusion, uh, when he rushes in to try and save the turtles at the, uh, at the dance scene. Um, but that, 
um that might be the scene that works the least for me in the in the entire movie just because he just kind of like mm-hmm. they're kind of like yeah you you, sh- you shouldn't have been here anyway see you later we're we're gonna go get shredder and like it yeah just in unfortunately like kino doesn't get any sort of like hero moment really which is yeah. unfortunate Speaking of characters who are left twisting in the wind, uh, whatever happened to Casey Jones? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I guess he's just like a major it. character, a major character from the first movie does not even get a mention in this movie. I wonder if it was the like either the rush, like maybe it was just like a shooting schedule thing. So they didn't bring him back. Um, I mean, they didn't bring back April would... either. You could have recast yeah, re- him easily. Recast him. Or maybe it was part of that tone thing. Maybe he is like too scary and violent to be like. Yeah swinging he's, golf clubs at people he's a sports themed vigilante he's not that violent or edgy <laughs> well i in the first movie like he spends most of his time being like misogynistic and and insulting people you know like and like then and they're like there's like a whole scene where him and donatello are just coming up with insults for one another so i guess like i can see especially in the 90s when you're looking at that you might be thinking like oh this character's this character's too much for for kids but i mean if you're toning down the entire tone of the movie you can tone down casey oh for sure and still have him be there doing stuff yeah 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 i agree you could say that he's softened up now that he's hooked up with april and he they could even make some jokes about how she's domesticated him like yeah, would have been super yeah. easy, is what I'm saying. It didn't take it didn't take a lot for me to come up with that. <laughs> maybe he's maybe he's the reason the turtles stay in her apartment. Is like it's their apartment and he's letting them, whereas she would rather they leave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that creates a little a fun little bit of tension there too, or even the opposite way around because he was had a little bit more animosity with the uh, with the turtles in the first movie. So maybe he could be the one that's like, I don't like them oh. here. In the, yeah, and then we don't have a nagging woman. Yeah. That's great. Disc, That's disc to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually like the idea of him. I legit like the idea of him uh, making a joke about how they're lazy bums who are staying in their apartment and just leeching off of them. And then April turning that around and being like, you're a lazy bum who's staying in my apartment and leeching off of me. <laughs> <laughs> or what if it's just like the, the, the kids thing of like, I need you guys to go so I can have some alone time with April. <laughs> and then they're like, we're 15 and turtles. We don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of fun things you could have done there is basically yeah. where we're going with that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I, I definitely like think the like um April just sort of comes off it like in 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 the first movie she's a big part I think she's actually kind of the driving force. I would actually almost almost say like the the you know the the first movie is kind of April's movie in a lot of ways. But like the in the second movie she's barely has anything to do outside of like get upset that they're making a mess in her apartment. And uh, what other effect does she have on the plot? I guess she tells Kino. Oh, no. Oh, I don't know. No, she well, because at one point her assistant is part of the foot clan. Yes. And that like gets her in danger. That doesn't make her like a key element. It makes her a MacGuffin. But, you know, that's that's the other thing she does. Yeah. Yeah, she doesn't even, well, I mean, they, like, thankfully, she doesn't become a damsel in distress. They just, like, use her as a messenger. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, again, like, she doesn't, yeah, there's no agency for her in that. So, yeah, it's it, it's just unfortunate. It's like, I, I felt like the uh, the original character was, a little, was quite a bit stronger. So, unfortunate that that's what happened. Well, I uh, actually think we might have a, have a fix for that. 
Um, so let's say we let's say we go to the fixes. Brr, sure is chilly outside. Uh, the the winter is here. It's cold weather times here in Alberta, and that means energy usage for all Albertans will be increasing. So now is a great time for listeners to look at their utility bills and ensure they are on the best plan. Albertans have a choice who they pay their utility bills to. Park Power is happy to provide free, no-obligation comparisons. If you decide to switch providers, it's easy, and you can feel good knowing you are supporting a local business and helping to give back to our communities with your utility bills. Learn more at parkpower.ca. Hosted by Andrew Paul and Elizabeth Bonkink and produced by Lisa Pruden, the Well Endowed Podcast explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds. The podcast tells the stories of how those endowments intersect with the community. You can check them out right now at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Welcome back to I Have Some Notes, talking TMNT, Secret of the Ooze. Uh, and yeah, before we left the break, we were, we were talking about ways of fixing April, and uh, we'll just kick this off. We were sort of discussing this all together previously, um, but I think one of the easiest ways to, to give April more to do is to just cut the kid, cut the ninja kid. I get I get kind of the impetus for putting him in the movie, because he's mm-hmm. he's the surrogate character for the audience, right? He's yeah, he absolutely. gets to be the the Ninja Turtles kid sidekick. He gets to help them out. But April's an investigative reporter, and she doesn't do any investigating in this movie. Uh, and that's squandering her as a character. And well, she does she doesn't she could do more. She could yeah. investigate the Foot Clan um, because she actually she does some investigating, and she gets that great line from the cop. That's true. Where yeah. she tells the, <laughs> to the chief of police, maybe you're not the, the people who will handle this. And the police chief replies with, that's what we do best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking sick dunk on the cop. A cab. April. But yeah, I think I think if you cut uh, the kid or at least cut down what he does, he infiltrates the Foot Clan. Uh, and it doesn't last long, as we said. Um, but what if, since there's also that, like, weird established character, it's, like, her assistant, but he's in the Foot Clan, and he kind of, like, uses her as a messenger at one point, kind of low-key gets her into damsel in distress situation? What if she investigates the Foot Clan, disguised in that guy's disguise? Like, maybe he gets one over on her initially, but then she's able to, to reverse it, takes his disguise, and she, in, in, uh, um, uh, in, in his place, investigates the Foot Clan. Yeah, and then there's some tension there because it's April O'Neil in a Foot Clan mask. She could be found out at any moment. She could be the one who tells them Shredder's back instead of Raph running away and making a kid do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and you get a lot of fun stuff of her, you know, having to, having to play ninja and, and trying to sneak around and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it'd be, it would be great. And, and maybe, because I did like the scene where they're like, you have to, um, it's like the initiation uh, by taking the buttons off and Raph helps him. Mm-hmm. What if that's April finds herself in that situation, doesn't know Raphael has her back because he's lurking yeah, around in the yeah. shadows, Batman style. He hops down, helps her, and then she just like keeps. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah, I like that. I like that quite a bit. Sorry, kid. We 
because yeah, she's the POV character in the first one. She can be the POV character in this one too. I uh, I have <laughs> this is a weird. Um, I don't know if this is a fix, but one observation I made while I was watching this movie is that um, the turtles in isolation when they're fighting look pretty good. Um, you can tell they can't move as fast as their Foot Clan counterparts. And to a certain degree, um, the action is choreographed to sort of like make up for the fact that uh, the turtles are a little bit slower. Um, you can always tell that, you know, sometimes they get extra close ups to give them a little bit more speed and, and things like that. It's just uh, it through editing. Well, that becomes a bit of a problem is when the turtles are fighting Toko and Razor because they're all in big foam rubber suits and things get real slow and boring when they're, when they're fighting those guys. So I don't, I don't know what, if there's a necessarily a, a fix here, but I, I would have, I have loved to have seen a, a change in the way that those, uh, those fights took place just so that it didn't, it didn't feel so, um, you know, a puppety. You just, you just speed it up. You just sure. speed it up yeah, and post. Just ramp up the speed. Oh, that that's a good that's a good fix. <laughs> like I literally, buy- you have them you have them do it in slower motion, and then you just crank up the speed in post so that it looks like they're doing ninja action. Yeah, that's actually a pretty good idea. I, I mean, that's- one of the fights takes place in a dance hall with a shitload of extras, so that would have been really interesting to coordinate <laughs> to get oh, that to no. work. Can we might have to we might have to cut the warehouse scene <laughs> for that to work. Oh, sorry, Vanilla Ice. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Golly, geez. <laughs> um, well, I I have thoughts on on. Tuka? I want to keep calling it Tuka and Birdie. Uh, Toka and Razor. <laughs> One more time. Toka and Razor. Toka, right. Okay. Toka and Razor. I, I, my, my thoughts on Toka and Razor solve your problem, Greg, for some of the way the fights could go. Um, so we discussed, obviously, why would you pick a turtle a second time? There's literally any animals you could do. We said this all in the first half. You know, obviously, Rhino and Warthog like the cartoons but it does beg the question where does one samurai and his army of teenage martial artists get a rhino and a warthog stealing operating from the zoo. out of a dump in new york it's the bronx zoo yeah, yeah from the zoo. <laughs> that would be a fun scene so if you were going to do the, the the rhino you have a scene of where the foot clan steal it from the bronx zoo oh liam don't worry we're we're getting to it i've got i've got some big ideas for this movie <laughs> okay well I'll, i've got some also big ideas uh, but i will see where you're going here's my pitch for the uh Toka and Razor. You do. I, I get the impetus that they wanted to pick ferocious animals, or like like they being Shredder was like, get me the two most ferocious animals you can find. Um, the Ninja Turtles are ninjas because they were trained to be. These things are just coming off fresh. I feel like they should just use whatever animals are around. So other than rats, what are the two most common animals in New York City? A cat and a dog, maybe. Stray cat and stray dog absolutely could work. I was thinking a pigeon and cockroach. <laughs> so a, the pigeon, a giant pigeon and a giant cockroach. <laughs> no, actually, a, one giant pigeon, multiple little cock, mutant cockroaches. Oh. Because this is what I was saying ties to, to Greg's thing about like the fights looked weird. The Ninja Turtles have to do ninja stuff. The other mutant animals aren't going to do ninja stuff, so they don't need to be regular-sized men in suits. They can be anything. They can be any kind of Jim Henson puppet, right? Because they don't have to also do ninja stuff. 
So you make a big-ass pigeon Skeksy-looking thing, right? So, like, big body, maybe a bigger head than a Skeksy. Um, and it's got, you know, maybe it, like, sh- you know, sprays gas or something at them. Maybe it's, like, it moves in a much more interesting, like, puppety kind of way and isn't trying to do ninja kicks in a, in a different turtle suit. Uh, and then the cockroaches, you get petite dancers to be, like, five-foot cockroaches, and you have either an army of them or at least three of them, and they can kind of, like, stand on each other's shoulders and stuff. But the bird can fly, and the cockroaches outnumber the turtles. So you can have a whole army of these little cockroaches. I just think it'd be more interesting than two other, like, guys-in-suit fights. Right? Yeah. Because it, then it's four-on-one. Like, it's... <laughs> You know, you know what occurs to me with that with that science character, the the, the scientist character, that um, what a total missed opportunity to have Baxter Stockman in the movie. Yeah, actually, Anita yeah. pointed that out uh, <laughs> when I was when I was uh, talking with her about the movie. She was like, "Why didn't they just make that Baxter Stockman?" And I was like, "Well, yeah." And, and like I would have, I would even gone so far as to being like, ah, you know, the the shredder's not actually the main villain. Like they, the 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 uh, Baxter Stockman as the fly eventually becomes the the main villain. Well, and I mean that does work because Baxter has the Mousers, mm-hmm. so he's got a built-in army of little robots. Yeah, <laughs> would so have loved to could, see them do be... that on a shoestring budget. That would have been really he, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, on a shoestring budget, not so much. But I mean, from from a story standpoint, he could be a main villain. There's there's no question. Yeah, yeah. I guess it, yeah. This movie lacks a lot of foresight. I'm like, come on, guys, we're trying to build universes here. It's 2022. <laughs> we establish him in the second movie as as the Baxter's, and then so the third one, you get the oh, I, my my pitch has a built-in third movie hook let's be fair <laughs> great let's so i want to hear if you can trump my um cockroach and pigeon well, instead of <laughs> wolf and turtle i mean my my pitch is is warthog and rhinoceros because it should have okay. been bebop and rocksteady yeah. my my main fix is that they they went into this with the knowledge that they wanted to skew to a younger audience because kids were into the turtles at this time but the kids were into the turtles at this time because of the cartoon and the they needed to lean into the cartoon for their material is my feeling. And they Uh didn't. And I feel like that was a missed opportunity because even as a kid, I remember watching this and being like, token Razor are weird. (laughs) Like (laughs) that's, that's a weird choice. Why, why isn't this more like the cartoon was kind of my Uh thought. And I think that, that that's the big missed opportunity of this movie. So I would cut Token Razor. I would cut the pizza delivery kid. I would cut most of this plot and I would make it a plot. Shredder's returned, but we don't know that at first. The first, the initial incident, the thing that gets the turtles like, oh, something's up. Two mutant animals have been spotted like robbing, robbing like high tech equipment. And the turtles are like two more mutant animals. What? And it's, it's a warthog and a, and a rhino April's on the case because obviously she's like, this has to have a link to the turtles. So she's doing investigation. Casey's helping her out. Um, And then when the turtles go to investigate, they discover that very quickly that bebop and Rocksteady are working with the foot clan. And so that's like, Oh, shredders back. He's involved in this somehow. You eventually find out that like several, engineers and scientists have gone missing in the past couple months. All this technology is getting stolen and it eventually leads to them finding the shredders lair, finding out that he has come back and he's got some benefactor. Now someone has, 
has given Shredder the ability to step up his game. These aren't foot soldiers. These are robot foot soldiers. And at first, the turtles, number one, that lets the turtles use their weapons against the foot soldiers without any risk of, you know, it not being family friendly because they're robots. Number two, yeah. um, it skews more to the cartoon. And number three, it it shows that Shredder stepped up his game from like teenagers running a thief ring to I'm building a robot army to take over the world. And I've got two more mutant animals now helping me out. Something big is going on. And the turtles discover he's building a portal to somewhere and they stop him. There's a big climactic fight scene. They save the scientists, including David Warner, probably. Um, and the, the Donatello does something that reverses the polarity of the portal. So nothing can come out, but things can go in and they knock shredder and bebop and Rocksteady into the portal and they're gone. But there's your sequel hook because at the end, when David Warner is giving them exposition, well, we don't know exactly. Shredder wasn't giving us much information, so we don't know exactly where the portal was going. All we know is it went to an alternate dimension, which we've we've designated Dimension X, and we're going to try to find out what's going on there. And so you're teasing Krang for the next movie <laughs> as the bigger bad. You've got it all there. You, there's your entire cartoon in a movie. Mm-hmm. It's setting it all up. You've, you're setting up Bebop and Rocksteady. You're setting the Return of the Shredder. You're setting up the Robot Foot Soldiers. You're setting up Krang. You've got big stakes. The Turtles can do some some big fancy fight scenes with like armies of of Robot Foot Soldiers. That's my pitch for this movie. Basically, is make it the '80s cartoon because I think that's what people, certainly kids going in to see this movie, wanted to see. And yeah, the comic book fans got the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kids get this yeah. one. And and I feel like that was the big missed opportunity here is that they didn't do that. And so the movie's kind of eh. And I'm not saying it might um, not have been an eh movie, even if it was like the <laughs> 80s cartoon. But I think I feel deep in my heart that this was yeah. the time to strike that iron while it was hot, as opposed to waiting multiple years for Michael Bay to do a nostalgia tour with Bebop and Rocksteady. This was the time to do it. This was the time to give kids a live action version of the eighties cartoon. And it would have yeah. been nuts. People would have lost their minds. It would have made the most money in the yeah. world for like years. And w- with, a, with a lot of cases with that, with movies like, uh, like those childhood movies, like they don't have to necessarily be good to make an, an absolute yeah, crap the, ton of money <laughs> because the kids are going to come see it. And the parents are going to take their kids to see it, thinking their kids want to see it. Yeah. But if it yeah, was what the kids, kids wanted, how was Sonic the Hedgehog and Sonic the Hedgehog 2? Have you had to watch it? I, I watched it nope. by myself. Is that? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, a quick, a quick, just slight adjustment to yours, uh, Scott. I, I sure. love all of the last part of it. At the beginning, you were like, there's these two mutant monsters. April's on the case. If I can pitch, April is looking for all these missing scientists. The turtles are looking for these other mutant. Oh, animals. and then it dovetails together. Then yes. At the end of Act One, midway Act Two, they're like, "Oh, it's the same organization." Love it. That's perfect. That that was that was the sauce that was missing from my gumbo. There you go. There you go. No, I like that. I I think I think I'd like my movie better, but what? <laughs> <laughs> that might just be hubris talking. <laughs> and yeah, I. Mine is a little bit against the spirit of our own podcast. We try not to do page one rewrites, but my my feeling is the the thing that's wrong with this movie is that the the high end yeah. decision wasn't right, and that that's where it went wrong. <laughs> I'll even pitch you this. You know what would have um, even improved this movie? The thing I like about yours was it starts with the mutant monsters. So even if Toka and Razor were around at the beginning of the movie, yeah. Um, and then later it's like, they're the first thing, then we discover Shredder instead of the other way around. 
Um, I also think it makes for like a splashier beginning. Kind of, like, yeah. Start with these, yeah. Absolutely, because the, the the stakes are really big at first, and even if even if you were you were just taking that from my pitch and slotting it into this movie, so that movie starts with Toka and Razor. Um, that ties into the secret of the ooze too, because where did these two mutant animals come from? It must tie into our origins. We need to find out more about where we came from so I've we can find out where I they come from. Questions. Yeah. yeah. So like, you're right. It does work. It is, it is a hotter open. Mm-hmm. And then we find out that they're with the foot clan and that the shredders involved. And yeah, I, I think, I mean, like I would call that, you know, movie fixed as far as, as far as mm-hmm. I'm concerned. Uh, I do have a, a question for you both. Like, the Ninja Turtles, like, we're all kind of turtle fans here, so mm-hmm. uh, the turtles have been, you know, remade over and over again, multiple cartoon uh, iterations, now multiple movie iterations. Um, if you were given the keys to the franchise, um, how would you approach Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, in a new and different way to sort of like revitalize it. <laughs> oh, Liam's so been waiting I, for someone I will to ask him this. Genuinely answer your question, <laughs> um, but I also want time to think about it. There is a great podcast series. It's behind a paywall, but I, I recommend it. Um, it's called We Need to Stop Talking About TMNT on CBB. Um, you guys might know my all time favorite podcast isn't even this one or the other one I'm on. It's Comedy Bang Bang. <laughs> I love Comedy Bang Bang. And they had a whole run over like you know early 2020 where just somehow organically tmnt kept coming up on the podcast that's not about it at all and so the host and another guy started a spin-off podcast on patreon called we need to stop talking about tmnt on cbb and the premise is they watch all the turtles movies all the turtles things with this fake premise that they have the keys to the kingdom and they're going to reboot it but they need to get scott caught up because he's never seen any so as they're watching so each episode is a movie but then they also talk about like what can we learn from this one that we're going to take into our fictitious reboot um (laughs) uh it's very funny because they're also not serious about it so uh, (laughs) it it, it all ended up i have a very esoteric t-shirt now that says the future is female and it's a picture of splinter on it (laughs) Um, and it's designed so that if anyone sees me wearing it, they go, what does your shirt mean? And I go, that's the reaction I wanted. Um, <laughs> but the, the, the bit was, they're like, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna gender swap splinter. We're gonna have female splinter. Yeah. The future is female. Yeah. Let's put that on a shirt. And then the shirt is now just the future is female. And then a bat, like a, almost like, it's not a female splinter. It's just splinter, but it's like a bad, not a bad drawing, but like a bootleg kind of looking drawing. <laughs> it it's is a knockoff. And- it is a knockoff splinter. It is the wish yeah. version of splinter. <laughs> the A wish splinter and the phrase, the future is female. And it's a very confusing shirt. And it's a very funny podcast. So check out, uh, if you want to give Sean Distin $5, look up, uh, we need to stop talking about TMNT. On CBB. I mean, the amount that you've just talked about it, they should be giving us $5, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't need our help promoting them, but it was very fun. It was a very fun promise for a podcast. But, uh, so what I would do... Yeah, Liam, what what would be your way to, to change it? Well, Scott, I rambled for a minute. You've had a minute to think about it. What would you do? <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay, so there's a lot of stuff the turtles have done in the comics over the years the comics got real crazy um one of the things that i don't know that i've seen certainly in film is the turtles in space 
And there's a lot of space stuff. They've got the Triceratons. Technically, Krang was originally an alien. Um, they've got like a giant flying cow head. They were involved in an intergalactic like martial arts competition at one point. <laughs> you could do a lot of turtles in space stuff. And I, I'm like, why not? We've seen the turtles do a bunch of stuff here on Earth. I don't think anybody's not going to buy the turtles getting scooped up and involved in an intergalactic war with Triceratops men. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's why not? Go go bonkers with it. Do something real crazy. If Guardians of the Galaxy can make a, a billion dollars, why not? Yeah. Uh, to that end, I, I was thinking, like, I really do think the Turtles work best as a cartoon. So I think if I if I was given carte blanche to make a Turtles movie this year, I would try to Into the Spider-Verse it, especially with the Dimension X Ooh, angle. it's already been done. Have you never it's watched- already been done? Have you not watched Turtles Forever? I've heard about Turtles Forever. I heard about it from We Need to Stop Talking About DMT on CBC. Fair enough. Actually, watch Turtles Forever. Actually a great movie, and it is basically the Ninja Turtles into the Spider-Verse. Okay. Well, never mind then. <laughs> <laughs> but with that, I, okay, then the, the, my pitch would be like, wit, let Sony do it. Let the people who made Into the Spider-Verse make it. Because also, like, even if it's different hands, Mitchells versus the Machines also kind of had this really it was a sony movie and it had like a real slick uh look to it Ooh, yeah, fair. i don't put me it might not be a sony movie fact checkers greg get the fact checking department on that um, <laughs> whether Mitchell's in the machine is a sony movie was a sony i'm film, pretty sure it but... is because isn't um sorry what's her name on uh, from overwatch she works oh, for M, sony right? yeah 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 i'm pretty sure it was but i might be wrong yeah. um anyway that kind of cartoony like somewhat fourth wall breaking aesthetic that made uh into the spider-verse and Mitchell's versus the machine so distinct i would i would slap that pastiche on a on a turtles movie okay. or just watch turtle <laughs> give a bigger marketing budget to turtles forever well uh, let me let me hit you with this what if we do what if we go completely the opposite way and do um this sort of like uh noir-ish black and white hyper adult uh, uh turtles that uh that eastman and laird were doing it at uh at one point um uh, the original comic turtles yeah like the like uh, s- uh super violent and i is i think doesn't uh doesn't Raphael just like straight up die i think in uh in the early comics i can't remember um but like that's that's also a version that uh that we haven't seen on the on the big screen mm-hmm. <laughs> almost like just like the sort of like the look of like sin city but it's the turtles uh kind of thing you know like uh, uh, i think that would be, i would be interesting i'm not necessarily sure i want to watch it just because like there's a lot of like <laughs> there's a lot of i just watched the batman there's a lot of like grim and gritty stuff going on so <laughs> but but so. your pitch is to do basically the ninja turtle snyderverse sure <laughs> <laughs> now you um, put it like that. Now I don't want to watch it at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have, I have, I have another one here that just hit me off the, the dome. Uh, I've talked before on this podcast. I, I love the film Psycho Gorman. Um, it's a, it's a just a love letter to the same kind of practical effects and like costumes that went into this movie. Um, made in the last couple of years, Canadian film. It's great. Uh, the costumes look awesome. Uh, and so I actually would almost pitch a reboot of these movies, of this and the first one from from the early 90s, not with Michael Bay's special CGI effects, with 2022 practical effects technology, like with drones and shit. I'd like, love that. Like, have 
physical drone mousers have guys in even better Jim Henson animatronic suits. Oh yeah. yeah. Um and and have the whole thing have bit, lots of make make it extra oozy, extra spray, lots of like goo and guts and and do it as a a the same way Psycho Gorman was like a love letter to those kind of like squishy wet puppets uh, and practical effects. Do this with with a bigger budget, with a studio budget. Yeah. Yeah. For four people born you know, in the late eighties to reminisce, not just on the turtles, <laughs> but that whole visual aesthetic. Hell, I would, I've been watching winning time on, um, HBO. Uh, and it's a, it's, it's a basketball, um, story, but one of the things they do, they'll put like a weird early eighties kind of TV filter on some of the shots. So it looks like you're watching it on old VHS tape or on an old cathode ray tube television. Uh, and it's a cool effect, and I even maybe throw some of that on there, like make these look like old trauma movies. Yeah, that's certainly a that's certainly a different version that I hadn't considered. Like a whole Krang, like do a yeah, get get modern modern puppet wizards to make a Krang costume in twenty twenty two. Krang would look sick as a practical effect in twenty twenty two, for the record. Like I don't know about his dopey android body from the cartoon, but Krang himself would look dope in, in as a practical effect yeah. in 2022. Yeah. He'd be the wettest puppet, you guys. He'd be so wet. <laughs> Sweet. Well, not only do we fix uh, fix this movie, we fixed four others that don't exist. Yay! So. <laughs> Hell yeah! This is a deadly efficient episode. And that has been our episode. Uh, Thanks to uh, everyone for listening, obviously. Wherever it is you're listening to this podcast, uh, please give us a like, a subscribe, uh, whatever little heart, star, horseshoe, clover, or blue moon that might be next to the old uh, button there. Uh, Click it. really helps us out. You know what the turtles say? They say, be cool, stay in school, dude. And if you want to learn more about schools, you could turn into Ed, Conversations About Teaching Life. Honest conversations between educators hosted by teacher Shane Lawrence. You can find it right now at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Hey, and this episode's over. Uh, we know you're going to miss us, but so don't worry. We'll be back in two weeks with fixing another movie. Until then, I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. Keep watching the sky. Keep watching the sky.